Hey guys, brand new podcast. The Birdie Boy World Tour is postponed. Uh, we we rescheduled dates. If you bought tickets to the tour, check out uh, burp.com. All the rescheduled dates are up there. I'm hoping this shit kicks out by beginning of June. We can get back out on the road. So go and take a look at the dates at burp.com. Remember, my Netflix special, Hey Big Boy, is streaming right now on Netflix. So go to Hey Big Boy. Uh, go to Netflix and watch Hey Big Boy. Uh, my bestie Tom Segura's is on there. Chris D'Elia's comes out next week, I think. Is it next week? I didn't say next week. Uh, so make sure, get ready. D'Elia's is going to be a banger. And then you got the Corona Boys up there. Me, D'Elia, and Tommy. All three of us. Uh, today's podcast is with a buddy I've known for probably nine years, I want to say. Uh, he was the star of Man vs. Food. He has had numerous shows on the Travel Channel. He is the reason I got into the Travel Channel. He's the reason I started watching the Travel Channel. He's the reason I took a meeting with uh, Sharp Entertainment, uh, who ended up doing Bert the Conqueror. He is technically, kind of, you want to say, the reason I worked for the Travel Channel for nine years was because of this one-man show. I was so fascinated by Man vs. Food, by him, by him, not just the show. Obviously, I still watch the show. Uh, um, I think we talk about that very quickly, not in and out. I didn't want to get in any gossip because I know Adam was really was was not super happy when it went to a new host. And and I we kind of stayed away from that. We talk a little bit about the drama that happened with him and uh, social media. We didn't get too much into it. You know, uh, Adam got burned a lot by by different in different places, I think, by being who he was or at least speaking freely the way I've been allowed to since I left Travel Channel. And Adam's still, you know, he's still he's still very close to the vest. He's a really fascinating guy. Like I said, I've known him for a very long time, and uh, and he he's just a really cool guy. He's an interesting guy. He's in Brooklyn. His mom is in Brooklyn. He is holed down. And man, we could have talked for hours if it hadn't gotten dark. It got dark towards the end. If you go to the video, the videos on YouTube. These are Zoom recordings, and we're tripling them up throughout the week. We are adding as many as much content as possible, because quite honestly, it's a lot easier than doing a regular podcast. So I think we've got literally one a day next week. My phone. Let's see who this is. Name unavailable. It's an 813 number. It's got to be Florida. Hold on one second. Hello, you're on my podcast. Is this a, this is a home shopping network? Um, no, Albert. Um, I'm home, I'm from Home Buyers Network, and we're looking to buy properties in the area for cash. So we just wanted to check if you might consider selling the property. Which property is that? Um, at East Seventh Avenue. Oh, I don't own a property there. Oh, I see. I'm sorry about that, Albert. But no worries. I'll document everything here. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, have a great day. And check out the BurtCast. This phone call will be on it. Are you cool with that? Um, That's fine. Okay, cool. Check out the BurtCast and you'll hear yourself on my podcast. Hey, do you have anything to promote? Um, Not so far. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you in Florida right now? Uh, I really want to provide it, however, uh, for security or privacy purposes, we're not allowed to oh. close the Okay, I hear you. Well, listen, stay safe, okay? Stay safe as well, Albert. All right, thank you so much for your time. Hey, thank you. Hey, guys, that's what a, uh, if I was Jim Florentine, I would have fucking murdered that. Jim Florentine's so good at those, stringing them along. Um, I get that phone call all the time. Apparently, our names are under some property. 
Uh, I wonder if that's my dad's. I bet it's my dad's property. Hang on, let's let's call my dad real quick. Find out. By the way, this is just added content, everybody. You're like, Bert, fucking wrap it up. I'm ready to get to the podcast. The podcast is coming. Podcast is coming. Let's just call my dad real quick. And we'll see if my dad owns property on East 7th. I bet he does. And I bet they're calling me asking if he wants to sell. And I've been going, go fuck yourself. And then my dad's like, buddy, it's, the economy's out. If they want to buy, let's sell. By the way, my, mo- my mom and dad have been quarantined for 21 days together. Hey, mom. Hey, hon. How you doing? Good, good. I'm on the. I'm doing my intro to my podcast for Adam Richmond for Man vs. Food. Ah. Yeah. Is nice. hey? Do you guys own a property on East Seventh? <laughs> no. Okay. No, that's one of Dad's clients, and he. Uh, well, hang on. You're on the podcast, Dad, so be careful. That's why I'm handing the phone to your father. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. Here, Albert, you're on the podcast with Bert. He wants to know about the properties you own on East 7th. Oh, hey, I get you're on the podcast, so be careful with what you say. Yeah, hang on. Hey, Bert, how you doing? Hey, you're on the podcast, so be careful what you say. But we get a phone call from this company in Tampa every day asking if we want to sell our property on East 7th. Okay, the answer is no. I, yeah, well, it's hard to sell a property that I don't own. I don't own it either. Okay, good. All right. Well, I'm simply a land trustee for a client of mine. Oh. Uh, to remain anonymous. Okay. Well, I may- have like 20 or 30 properties in Eber with me as trustee. Okay. All right. That's what it is. All right. Well, I'm going to get back to this intro. I love you. I'll talk to you later. Bye bye. So that's what it is, everybody. Well, I hope that was fascinating for you guys. Uh, yeah, today's podcast is a good one. Uh, it's a two, I want to say a two hour conversation with me and Adam Richmond. How long is it, Halston? Two hour conversation with me and Adam Richmond. I hope you guys enjoyed AJ McLean from the Backstreet Boys. I just did one with Eugene Meerman. Eugene is, uh, has a, has a movie out right now called it started as a joke. You might want to check it out. It's a documentary about stand up and much, much more. That'll be coming out next week. We got Gabby Reese lined up. We got Guy Fieri lined up. We got Tyler Florence lined up. I'm hitting up a lot of my old, because I'm obsessed with Food Network lately. That's all I've been watching. I'm hitting up a bunch of the old uh, scripts talent and doing some podcasts with them. I hope you guys enjoy that. Listen, we're, uh, hit me up. God, how am I going to do this? Hit me up on Twitter, or you can text me at 323-208-0844. And text me and, and tell me if there's a guest that you'd like to have on that you think would be good. Um, you can communicate with me via that number. Just type in BertCast in that. So what will happen is if you, t- if you send it to me in BertCast, then I can search BertCast and read all the texts that say BertCast. And then I can reply to you via that so much easier than I can email. That's on my phone. It's really easy to communicate. That's 323-208-0844. But make sure to write BertCast in there or BertCast guest or just BertCast because then I can search BertCast and those will all come up. So tell me if there's a guest you'd like to have me on, like me to have on during this, these Zoom periods where I'm tripling up. Uh, and if there's a podcast that you're a big fan of that you're like, Bert, you'd be great on that. I am a great host, guest. I'm a great guest. I'm a much better guest than I am host. Although I would argue I'm a really good fucking host during these Corona Zoom podcasts. 
because I am listening more than I've ever listened and barely interrupting. Yeah. Everyone gave me the compliment. By the way, Bill Burr uh, and I do a podcast called Bill Burt, and we do it on Zoom. Uh, Tom and I are still doing two. I'm doing a two bears, one cave later today with Tommy. Um, but on the Zoom, everyone's like commenting like that. That was the best podcast ever. And I was like, oh, nice. Everyone's like in Zoom. And then I read the comments and they're like, thank God, Bert, finally shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear him talk. And I'm like, oh, OK. So I was like not reading comments on Bill Burt ever again. And then I did Two Bears, One Cave and they're playing a drinking game called Bertus Interruptus. And I was like. Okay. Hey guys, you're kind of getting a little close to my real nerves and my real feelings and hurting my feelings. So, uh, so I'm trying to shut the fuck up, which I don't think is what you want out of a comedian, but apparently anyway, let's get to the podcast. Uh, today's podcast is with, uh, my buddy, Adam Richmond. He has a new show coming out on Dave. I think that's a, a subsidiary of BBC. I think it's called Dave. So you UK uh, fans, you guys should enjoy this. He was the host of Man vs. Food, America's Greatest Sandwich. I mean, he's had so many shows on Travel Channel that I, I, I would be here all day if I started naming them. More importantly, check him out on Instagram. Uh, check him out on Twitter. He's one of my favorite dudes alive. And like I said, he is the... Re ooh, ooh, make sure to follow him on Instagram. He does live DJ sessions every night. And he does it mostly like... He adds in healthcare workers. So like all the healthcare workers kind of like stream in and he does, uh, let me see what Adam, it's A-D, God, I'm such a fucking jackass. A-D-A-M-R-I-C-H-M-A-N. Adam Richman, he does these live DJ sessions. Here, I'll show you. Watch live video. Take a look at this. I think he gets uh, has a couple cocktails, possibly uh, an herb or two, and DJs for like an hour. And he takes uh, takes in fans and talks to them while he DJs, takes requests, and it's mostly health healthcare workers. We have a really cool moment on this podcast that you'll hear, where all of a sudden you hear everyone cheering for the healthcare workers that are switching shifts at seven p.m. It was really awesome. It was really awesome. Shout out to all you guys. Listen, I can't help in any other way if you are doing that necessary service the only way i can help is by putting out content that hopefully passes your time better that is my job as a human being my dad told me a long time ago buddy you're good at one thing don't fucking diversify for whatever reason you can make people laugh so stick with the one thing you're good at you're not good at other shit so that's what i do so this podcast is for you guys adam richard will co-sign on that ladies and gentlemen without further ado my friend television host, late night DJ, all around pimp, ex fuckboy, gonna be a great guy when this coronavirus ends and more than anything, a doting son. Put your hands together for Adam Richmond. This is Are you having a cup of coffee too? I got beers on deck though. Oh Jesus! I haven't drank in twenty-one days. Oh wait, but I thought you'd only do you guys only do like sober October, right? <laughs> yeah, with the pandemic, I figured it'd probably be smart to get my immune system up to pace. <laughs> so you're having no drinks at all in the pandemic? 
I haven't drank it all. Well, I drank once. I drank and got high with Rogan. And I swear to God, I can feel it the next day. Yeah, same. Same. The few times I've DJed um, for Instagram Live and I DJed someone's 40th birthday via Zoom. Um, yeah, bourbon had like a really wicked effect on me this time, which it's never had. Ever. Like, yeah, I, my hands broke out. Like, I had to use cortisone and like. Never happened. I used to live in Kentucky. It should never happen. Is this okay? Does it look weird? Does the angle look weird? Oh, it looks great. Looks great. Cool. The uh, I was yeah, up this morning doing. I was up this morning doing radio call-ins. We're recording, by the way. I was up this morning doing radio call-ins at five in the fucking morning. So all my phone, my my desk is wreck, like like a wreck, and I have tons of fucking weed on hand. Wait, wait. Is that you Does behind feel- you? Is that you naked yeah, behind you? Like you? That. Is it in the man cave? Yeah, isn't that beautiful? Yeah, it's my man cave. Remember, I was there when the only other time I've ever recorded with you was you and Tom Segura and Joey Coco Diaz. We did, um, it was in the man cave. And I I yep. was actually still with the Travel Channel at that time and nearly got a man cave, but my basement's shithole. They're like, yeah, we can't work with this. <laughs> That's beautiful. Are you in Brooklyn right now? Yeah, I'm blessed. I have a backyard. I have a, a garden. I planted all this. Holy shit, man. Oh, that's kind of beautiful. Thanks, dude. Thank you. Thank you. And I have like a, a deck. I have a back deck right there. But I, I mean, I want to. Oh, my God. You got that pool, though. Your house. Oh, is- yeah. We just bought a new house. Oh, it's a different house. We just house? bought a new house and now we're. No, no, no. We're in the same house. We bought it, started to renovate, and then, you know, the pandemic happened. And I was like, let's just push pause. There's no reason for us to fucking run in and start renovating. I was like, let's let's be safe. How the girls? They're good? They're safe? Yeah, good. How's your mom? Good, good. I mean, I, I, um, I was filming in Europe when this all happened. And um, I was already nervous. So I had already stocked up on shit before I left. And, um, you know, I was a little apprehensive and I was pre-med. I don't know if you remember that. I, I was like a Westinghouse science scholar and shit. And I had been reading about the pandemic and reading the world health reports. And so I had had some stuff already at home supply wise. And, um, you know, man versus food was filming that we had H1N1 and SARS. And I don't know if you know this, I almost died of a MRSA infection about two and a half years ago in Switzerland. I got MRSA in a mustache follicle while in in Zurich um, doing a thing for Michelin. And they said it could have come from like shaking someone's hand and touching my face. It could have come from like a hotel towel, Um, but it got in there and I had to be admitted to the hospital and I eventually had to have surgery and intravenous antibiotics and they were afraid the infection was going to go intracranial and affect the brain and the optic nerve. So I had the N95 masks for a while. So I'm glad I never got rid of them. I got rid of some, which I never did. But um, so, yeah, I, I rushed home to be with my mom. And I haven't really, I saw her once from six feet away with the mask on, but she's in her 70s. So I'm freaked the fuck out. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, I got H1N1 in 2009. And it was you got it? fucking 
Yeah, yeah, it was no joke. I thought I was gonna die. It was right. It was right. It was literally right when I got Bert the Conqueror. Really? Yeah, we. I think we did the pilot of Bert the Conqueror, and then I went to Mexico to do uh, a a gig over in December, and I got I got it in in L.A. and then flew to Mexico, drank on the plane. Big mistake with H1N1. Drank on the plane, got to Mexico. Ooh. And I was shivering, like, couldn't breathe, shallow breaths. The sickest I've ever been in my life. I, I thought I was going to die. No lie. I thought I was going to die. Jesus. But, uh, what, is the, what, is, uh, what are the symptoms of H1N1? It was like, it was like pneumonia. I, I, I couldn't get a breath. I, I felt like I couldn't get oxygen to my lungs. <sighs> so, like, when I hear these people gasp, like, going, I feel like I can't get oxygen... Bro, that is the scariest fucking feeling. And I, th- I threw up a few times. It was the sickest I've ever been in my life. I was like the closest I was, ever was to death. And my wife just kind of was like, oh, you're going to be fine. It's a cold. And when, when you can't get oxygen, oh, fuck. You're literally going. It fucking sucked. Yeah, it's terrifying. I actually ordered from both myself and from my mom those um, oxygen meters that clip onto your finger. I ordered them too. And I was so glad my uncle's a doctor and he had said it. He's like, I think everyone should. I'm like, my shit's already on order. And you have to watch yeah, that. I got the most expensive one. I got the one they give to infants. <laughs> I don't know. I got whichever <laughs> one would come quickly. You know, Amazon has really become like, it's like the markets that you would see in like Apocalypse Now, you know, where they're like, you know, what you give me for motorbike? You know what I mean? It's like, it, 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 it's like a warp. It's like a wartime mentality here, and I got to tell you, I'm I shout out to everyone in California because Washington State and California were some of the earliest cases, and when you look at the the graph behind Trump when he does these things, New York is still exponentially higher, and it's because people in New York are acting fucking stupid. Bert, I'm so sorry, man. Like. I had to, reluctantly, I had to go, I put it on my Instagram. I couldn't be silent about it. I had to pick up a package. The people from Creekstone, and this is like a plug for them, just sent me a surprise, like, care package of steaks and shit, you know, because obviously groceries are a thing. And I had to go get it at my receiving place. People are, like, walking around in groups of three or four, like, young kids and, like, talking shit. Like, I'll see you at so-and-so's house later like seven kids like in a cluster and then walking like then they split into a group of four and three no one's observing the six foot rule maybe a fifth of the people i saw were had their faces covered um and then the the governor just showed pictures like for some reason they're still doing the farmer's market in union square for some reason people are still playing frisbee at the park and kids are playing soccer it's terrifying we were talking, we were talking, I was talking to a comic who will remain unnamed and he was like, yeah, I'm heading over to the cellar, man. I got to get my last few sets in before they close the city down. And I was like, yo man, just stay inside. Like, it's not fucking worth it. Like I, I we were in new Orleans when they shut shit down and we took the tour bus from new Orleans to LA. We got out zilch. Like we went, we went to go get groceries in San Antonio because we were like, we should probably get them here instead of trying in L.A. So we got groceries for our families in San Antonio. Dude, it was, uh, and, but even in L.A., my daughter's friends were like, texted her like, hey, we're going to the park to hang out. I'm like, no, the fuck you're not. 
you're not going to the Amen. fucking bars. Amen. If you already weren't my friend, like I, I'd love you even more just for that. Wait, wait. You're saying that the comedy cellar was still doing shows? Dude, up until I mean, we were already locked down in LA and they were still doing shows at the comedy cellar. And you can hear like I live so where I live. I used to be Litch, um, Long Island College Hospital, but now it's a satellite emergency room for NYU. Is that way? I have Methodist. Methodist Hospital is over that way, and Manhattan is just right there. And I'm happy. It's just been like engines of just people happy with like empty roads and shit. But it's normally ambulances round the clock. Yesterday was a. This weekend was very traumatic. Friday was the worst day I've had. Usually my mind has been pretty on point with this shit. Friday was the hardest day, the hardest day I've had. Because it's just, it's it's crazy. I mean, when you think about that, half the U.S. deaths are in this state alone. Yeah, what what is it? My my dad was trying to explain it to me. He was like, well, buddy, he's like, you understand there's buildings where, like, buildings are like cruise ships out there. You got a building with, like, 700 people in it, and they're all living and sharing the same ventilation. Exactly. You know, I so I had a hard week because I was up. I got I was and that's the thing. The worst thing you can do is let your resistance get down. Is um I was debating whether or not to get my mom out of New York and I was gonna rent a house up the Hudson Valley and I had created with my business manager and freed up quite a bit of cash so I you know I could be liquid and I could rent this thing for till June. And um and the price gouging, you know, seriously. Mm-hmm. Fuck you to everyone in Airbnb who's trying to price gouge now. But um, yeah. the problem is, so when I, I came back from England, no one was, I was wearing masks and gloves. Nobody was social distancing. Nobody was at Kennedy. And then, in fact, the guy at Passport Control was such like a doofus, right? I go in. I have my working papers because I was there on a work visa. I come back into JFK. And I've got a mask on. I have my gloves on. I, I go through. I see. I, he said, where are you coming from? I said, England. He said, where are you before that? I said, I've only been in England. And I point to the thing. And he goes, what are you doing there? And I show him my work papers. He goes, all right. So then he stamps me. I go through. I'm at the baggage claim. And I had a, a porter because I had a bunch of shit with me. And uh, the, the guy's like, I think he's calling you. And the guy was calling me by the wrong name. I go, yeah, what? He's like, wait a minute. Uh, wait, what other countries did you go to? Now, bear in mind, I've already been stamped. I've already gone through immigration. I was, at, I was a baggage claim. Assuming I had no luggage or I had already gotten one bag, I was gone. And he, yeah. he was still, after having stamped me and let me into America, then goes, wait, wait, wait. Uh, how many, where did you go? Like, it was, it was, it was so disorganized. So yeah. I, don't know, I don't know my status. So my point is, does it make a difference whether or not my mom is there or here? If we go together to a house in, in upstate New York and uh, and I'm, God forbid, sick, I could pass it on to her and the medical system yeah. in the city is better than it is there. It's fucking crazy. It really is, man. And, and you know, I, there, what's even crazier is like, uh, is you, everyone had that thought of like, do I get the fuck out of the city? Do I leave? Do I take my family and just fucking bounce? Because one of the things I've always been crazy about is having a go bag, having a couple go bags. It's got cash, gun, everything you need. 
and then fucking bouncing. Always having the car. You got the burner? Up. You got a burner? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I did a bit of my new special about buying guns. And everyone, when shit went sideways, everyone hit me up. They're like, yo, you got to set me up with your, I call my arms dealer in my, uh, in my special. But they're like, you got to set me up with your arms dealer. Real talk, though. I'm upset that I don't. You know, I, I, I was an idiot as a kid growing up in Brooklyn. I'll leave it at that. So mom was very adamant about me not having any shotters around the house. But I am woefully regretful of the fact that I've had song I haven't had time before there was a pandemic. It's not like I don't film in the South where there's gun shows and stuff. Yeah. You know, like I, the gun show, gun shows are happening. I lived in Montgomery, Alabama for a year. So like I, I have go bags. I have like survival bags full on. I have gas, the whole shit. Truthfully, I do except that I don't have that. Did, so what I, were you, what were you shooting? What were you shooting in the, in the UK? Is that your new show? Uh, so it's one of the one of the new shows I'm doing. Yeah, um, it's called. Uh, they just decided on the title, uh, maybe a week before we shut down. It's for a channel called Dave, which is part of uh, Division of BBC World, um, for the Dave Channel. It's called uh, Supperman, and basically it's me and celebrities. They present their last meal on Earth, uh, starter, main, and dessert, and then. Um, I spend the next two acts traveling around the world trying to find maybe the better version or an even better version of their last meal on earth. So they'll be like, I want an Asian. So the initial conceit was like, for example, there's a very famous um, British comic named Johnny Vegas. He's done a bunch of like the sort of iconic British series like Benidorm and stuff. Um, he wanted, for example, an Asian seafood soup as his, as his appetizer. Mm. So we were going to go to Singapore and I was going to learn and study that. And then, um, he wanted a cheese plate for his dessert. So we were going to go to Paris and I was going to go to this legendary cheese shop. And because I speak French, I was going to work with a cheesemonger and they wanted a whole segment of me speaking the other languages I knew. Um, and then it was it was, it was crazy because we had to keep changing it. So we were about to shoot in Paris and I said, I'm absolutely not going to France. France doubled in cases in a day. So then we changed it and we we're like, okay, we'll shoot in Kerry, Ireland. And then I said, I'm really not comfortable going to an airport right now. I said, can we do the drive on ferry? You know, you drive your car onto a ferry and then we drive to Kerry. No, sorry. It'll take too long. And so I was actually really glad they shut the, shut the thing down but that's the premise of the show yeah that was that that uh, you know like they canceled my show in new orleans and i was i i had the week before i had been at uh at um the beacon and uh constitution hall right mm -hmm. and so constitution hall is a legit that's a pretty big theater it's like four grand yeah, but you're killing i'm so fucking proud of you man like oh, i you. like you know what the word kvelling is in yiddish no. K-V-E-L-L. -L. It means no. like to take pride in someone's thing, like a parent watching their kid perform. It's like, oh, I'm felling over you. I'm I'm so proud of you. I'm taking pride in your accomplishments. So I've been like felling. I've never missed one of your Netflix specials. And even when I saw you in LA, you were killing Oh, that's me. right. I just saw it. Just, yeah. You like was, that man versus food joke? Dude, I was not expecting that. Me and Simon Rex, I was like, yeah. 
I wrote that, that I wrote that heading to the store that night because I had the <laughs> joke about Tom sucking on my dick, but I didn't have the good line of on a very special episode of Man versus Food. <laughs> oh no, I I love it and the boa constrictor joke and the uh, the whole this is what it would be like. I don't wanna, I don't wanna, I don't wanna kill the whole setup, but it was brilliant and the. Um, my regulator's broken, so unless there's a milking table, <laughs> chef's kiss on that motherfucker. That's so good. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I, I, when they shut, when we did Constitution Hall, we did two shows, and I was like, on the second show, and that's like Sunday night. The next two Thursdays when they shut it down, Sunday night, I heard someone cough in the audience, uh, and, I went, and I thought. And and this, they've already talked about the virus spreading. No one had gotten it, you know. It hadn't gotten to where it was. But I heard someone cough in that audience, and I thought, man, this is going to get real serious. I poured a drink backstage. I was like, guys, I think we're going to be shutting shit down next week. Got to fucking New Orleans, 6 o'clock. Doors open at 6. It's 5 o'clock. And they're like, yo, we're canceling the shows. And I was, I was, I've never canceled a show. The whole thing is show must go on. And I, but man, I, I listened and I was like, "That makes sense." Then you looked at all the all the all the people in the aisles, all the ushers. Not a not one of them was a day over, stay under sixty. And you're like, "Oh, you would have just annihilated a ton of fucking people." So I don't know. I, you know, it, I start. I have not felt creative at all since it since it went since since shit shut down. Really? Uh, I I've been doing podcasts, which are I can I tap out. I've been eating like fucking nuts. I've been running like crazy, but oh, yeah? I, yeah, coffee's not working for me. I just don't feel like, I feel like everyone's, I feel like all my friends are being hacky. Like all the jokes that are told, I'm like, man, give it a second. Like everyone's jumping out with a quarantine joke or a quarantine series. And I'm like, oh, let it breathe. No, I saw, I saw something they were trying to do. Like I, I saw something in the trades. Like they want to do like an office, but like, if everyone had to commute to work via zoom or whatever. And I was like, hard pass. Like I just, cause I'm actually been, I've been studying screenwriting and I've been working on scripts and I'm so glad it has nothing to do with the fucking pandemic. It has nothing to do with the isolation because it's like done to death. Like if I see one more like play on words with quarantine, it's like, I'm drinking a quarantini. Do you guys want to join me for my live quarantine stream? Go fuck yourself. Like, oh. I can't. Dude, I, I get to the point where like, and then you think of a joke and then you go, that's a, and then you go, hold on, pump your brakes. You know, for a second, like I said, to, I was talking to Whitney Cummings and I was like, I was like, I was like, I don't want to do something. Like, what's, what am I going to do? Like put panties on my face and be like, I got a new gas <laughs> mask. And literally 10 minutes later, Jeff Ross shows up with panties on his face. I was like, like, you can't, you're not going to beat the greats out there. They're going to be two steps ahead of you on a joke. So you're like, fuck it. I, I feel like I'm just like, I, I haven't drank. And so I feel like I'm getting healthy. And then I, I do you think of, I got, I got approached by, uh, by our old bosses about a show. I remember you mentioned that uh, Mr. MB initials MB had come out to see one of your things, oh, yeah. right? Oh, no, no. I got I got approached by old, old school script type people. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, for, like a, for travel H or for what? No, for, no, for HGTV. <laughs> That's what I said. What the fuck am I doing on that fucking No, thanks. <laughs> but, but do you know that you have, like, I mean, I, I know you know how popular you are, but, like, 
in England, there was a guy, a great guy named Mikey on my crew, um, loved you. I sent you a video message of he and I. He was so happy oh, yeah. that he could send that video. So he started taking his shirt off. Yeah, yeah, like I saw 11 that. degree weather. He, he like, he was like, wait a minute, you know Bert Kreischer? And they're like, oh, I love him. Oh, he's fucking great. He's got no shirt on. He like comes on, takes his shirt off with like the Russian mob. Tells like the stories of the Russian mob, yeah? <laughs> fucking hell, I love him. The machine, yeah? You like the machine, you know him. <laughs> fucking hell, I love that guy. Like you are the bee's knees, my guy. When was the last, hey, when was the last time you talked to Eric Beanie? Oh, man. Uh, Eric Beanie um, is our, for those of you who don't know, uh, two-time Emmy-winning sound guy. One um, of the I funniest spoke- fucking guys in the world. Easily. 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 He and my, my B-cam op, Tom Dodson, are the two funniest guys on the show. Like They're like, oh, you're so funny. I'm like, I'm dog shit compared to these guys. Yeah. Uh, I still use one of Eric Beanie's lines. Uh, we were in Hawaii. We finished the long day. And I treated everyone. I we were driving by the North Shore, and I got them a piece of chocolate um, haupia. It's like a coconut custard pie. And Eric ate it. We're like in our 15 pass van. Eric ate it, threw the fucking plate and fork forward. Man, yeah. So I basically just fucked that with my face. <laughs> um, I just spoke to Eric uh, about a week or so ago. He's doing well. Um, there was a little bit of uh, a health scare in his family. Uh, in his immediate family. Um, I don't want to put too much of his business in the street, but thank God they're on the other side of that. Uh, so I think that this is small potatoes compared to what they just went through. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's obviously nervous about work, obviously nervous because obviously who's, who needs a sound guy right now and what sound guy with kids wants to go out on the road. Yeah, dude, it's, he gave me, <coughs> he gave me some of the best, like I, I, I miss, I miss those early travel channel days because oh, the they best. were some of, some of the funnest times of my life. I was, I was young. I didn't know. I just was hungry. I remember one time I, Eric was the first one to tell me like, yo, you, I, I remember I got buzz. I got, we had a few beers and I, we still had to do one read. And I was like, and I said something, I kept fucking the read up. I go, this is why you don't drink before your, your last take. And Eric pulled me aside. He's like, Hey man, be real careful what you say. They get these audios. They, you never know the editor. He might pull it, pull it over, show it to Sharp. Get, he'd be like, hey, listen, man, just so you know, your host's out there drinking. He was like, dude, he was like the best. And he had done that because he had worked with you. And he was like, he was like, dude, it's, it's us out here. We're a team. And then what we give them is what we give them. Like, don't, don't need to, like, cross over. Like, we're, we'll take care of each other out here because they're taking care of each other in there. He, that was like. I remember that so vividly those times. You know, the only reason I did Man's, uh, uh, Birth of Conqueror was because of Man vs. Food. What do you mean? The only reason I took that fucking meeting with Dan Sharp was because I was obsessed with Man vs. Food. I was obsessed with it. And they said, hey, we got a meeting at Travel Channel. And I was like, with who? And they're like, well, it's the creators of Man vs. Food. I go, I'll take it. I took the meeting with Dan Adler and Bonnie, I think. No, no, no. It was another chick. Do you remember the other woman? that was associated with them at the time? Yeah, there's a few. Oh, there was Emily. Emily. Maybe. And then there was my showrunner, Allison. I think it might have been Emily. They sat me down. They pitched me Birth Conquer, and I just passed. I, I passed, and I said, I, well, I sat down, and I said, so let's talk about Man vs. Food. We talked about Man vs. Food for, like, legit, like, 30 minutes. 
and then um and then i said then they, they pitched me the show and i said i politely passed and they're like well hold on and i said well listen i don't think uh i don't think it's where i want to do where i want to go in my career and i i don't think you know i think it's gonna i'm my my rate's gonna be too high and they were like well hold on let us get a let us throw an, uh, out an offer and let's let's and i said well i think i pass and then the president at the time the president of the network david michael that wait was it was it wasn't Zaslov. He was running Discovery. Were we still no. on by Discovery at that time? Yeah, it was Charlie Charlie Parsons. Charlie Parsons, Matt, Matt Butler. Butler, and um, and uh, another dude, Michael Klein. Uh huh. Uh-huh. David Klein or something. They Michael came Klein. out and they were like, they were like, hey, we really think you'd be great for this show. You should really hear us out. And so I was like, okay. And so I took an offer. I went back. I ended up. We ended up. I ended up having to test for the show. I tested against one of the guys. That tested for man versus food, some powerlifter. I don't know his name. Not a powerlifter, really. He was a he was just a he was a comic or whatever. And I ended up doing the show. And I remember saying to Dan Adler, I'm only doing this show because I liked man versus food. This is the only reason I'm doing this show. <laughs> well, that's you know, and I so it was Eric. So I had seen this it's really <laughs> this is probably something I probably shouldn't put out there. I had seen maybe it was on the soup. And I never knew about Hurtburt or any of the other stuff. So I had just seen the segment of you, of you getting your ass waxed. Yeah. You had no beard. Yep. And I didn't realize that was you. I had seen it. thought it was one of the funniest things in my life. Had seen it. I think it was on the suit. And then Eric was like, yeah, there's this guy for Chrysler. He's doing this show. And I said, who? And I said, Oh, I've seen this guy, and then I went to your, I went to the premiere party for you. Yeah, I remember I, you. I showed I remember, up at your at yeah. that bar, and then you started chanting "Man versus Food." I was like, really nice to meet you. And then I did the cameo when we went skydiving in Eloy, Arizona, together. And your we, memory is fucking like. And we do you remember we fucked with Dan. Um, he wanted to know how it was going, and I said it's okay, play along. And he wanted to know how it was, and said. The filming went well, but things went sideways afterwards. I, I told you to say this. I guess something like, I got to watch my sense of humor. I didn't realize Adam's father had died. Yeah. And then I was like, my fucking dad, dude. <laughs> like, whatever. And he was trying to, like, discipline you, calm me down. In the meantime, he's texting Bonnie, our director, going, Bonnie. separate them yeah get them in the other things whatever else and then i still have the picture when you put this podcast up i will give it to you if you want to cut it in please please of you and i holding up the sign that says dan we're fucking with you yep but and i, I remember i think they're like working out or playing tetherball next door can you hear that i think there's some kind of medicine ball type of action Yeah, very, very intense medicine ball. Either work. that hit or his wife really fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Just need to get outside. Oh, yeah. it could be a heavy bag. It could be a heavy bag. I feel you. I feel you. But uh, no, I, I, um, and Eric Beanie, I actually owe a tremendous debt of gratitude to because, um, you know, he's worked with like NHL legends and all this stuff. Bigger, bigger stars than than I for sure. And I remember he taught me something very, very valuable. He said, "Listen, 
And it wasn't like I was being a dick, but I think sometimes like if I was feeling a little over it, I, I guess I kind of let it know a little bit. And I said, um, listen, uh, he goes, for you, it might be your hundredth photo of the day, or it might be your hundredth autograph of the day. But for some people, it might be the first or only time they ever meet somebody they've seen on television. And it was, it was just like this aha moment. Like, yeah, of course. And I'm really, he, he's just, he's just an exemplary human being. He's a good dad, good husband, like clearly an example I should follow. <laughs> yeah. Beanie was always, Beanie was always good for fucking good for advice about that shit. I, I mean, I, it's so funny because I never got recognized. Like I, I'd be at theme parks. I was the guy that did the theme park show. And I still wouldn't get recognized. So if I ever got recognized, I was like through the roof. And now when it happens, I'm like, I'm still like so excited. I never, like I was in the business probably what, probably eight, 19 years before anyone gave a shit. So I yeah, was like killing the game now though. Like it's crazy. I mean, I, I remember someone recommending your special to me and they couldn't come up with your name and were quoting your jokes verbatim. And they knew you were called the machine, but they were like, and they were like talking about the zip line and I mean, all these, and like, it was so funny. And I'm like, are you talking about Bert Kreischer? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, now it's like, I'm the guy who used to do man versus food. You're like, Adam Richmond, the guy from eight is enough. I'm like, no, it's Adam Rich. <laughs> Cause people see me and they're like, wow. Dude, you went, you went, you, I'll tell you what, when we, when you talk about like, like inspirational, you're one of those guys, you went from taking a, 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 what, what it could have been a pass it around show that anyone did. And it just was a show like whatever you took that show and put a stamp on it and Thanks, went from dude. a guy that ate an 85 ounce steak to a guy who is, I think what every single year you're at the South beach wine and mu music festival. You're at the fucking you're you're like legit respected uh Thanks, man. the food industry. I mean it's insane. I but I think it's one of those things, it's like it's your brain. Your brain is just different than the average brain. Wow, thanks, man. That it's really flattering. I I'm definitely not like the other children. I don't know if I'm necessarily smarter than anyone else. I mean, but like the thing is for me that I need to learn from you is um your work ethic. I think that's the one thing with during this quarantine that I'm really trying to keep up with. Cause how do you have a routine when there's no routine? It's yeah. like, is it Saturday? Is it Friday? Like all I know is I need to socially distance from my refrigerator for a little while. And like <laughs> I bought, I literally, I dropped coin on like a uh, gym quality recumbent bike from my house. Mm. Cause if like, I'm going to sit here and binge watch, let me at least move my fat ass a little bit. Bro. Um, because you know, you just saw like, the British prime minister just went into intensive care today. I saw that. And it's really like, it's becoming a matter. I mean, there's no ubiquitousness because you see healthy people like Chris Cuomo are getting it and stuff that, um, health is going to be like your biggest weapon, the mask, the social distancing, of course, but really like more and more, the more articles I read, the more research I've done, 
yeah, your age group and whether or not you're a smoker, whether or not you're in contact with people that have it or, but, uh, and I'm not like unconvinced I, I, that I, that I was exposed. In fact, I'm fairly certain I was, um, but like now more than ever, it's like, I got to be disciplined about sleep, about vegetables, about, about not drinking too much. What's your, like, what's, like you've done it, you've done it. You've done it to great levels, like with weight loss. What is it? What has it been like? What do you find your downfall to be? Because I know mine's always been booze, but right now I'm not drinking. Almost I'm- losing my career on Instagram in 2014. Oh, dude. That, by the way, I remember when that went down and being like, are you fucking kidding me? Exactly. Can you compare? When you compare, and I'm not condoning what I did because can I tell you? It was never about like, woe is me, because I did that. Like, I couldn't turn to anyone. I had to be a grown ass man and take my lumps and acknowledge I, 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 I behaved in a way that a, a grown man and a TV host couldn't. But above all, the one part that I think always got lost was that my crew lost a whole year's worth of work. That yeah. Eric and, you know, Greg Murphy, Tom Dodson, Rob Hobson, these amazing cameramen that I work with um Jules and Michelle and Kat Pappas like I had a wonderful wonderful crew and all the story editors back in in New York and you know they all lost work because of of my lapse in judgment and it was a slow news time and what killed me was you know I had done an interview with Don Lemon on CNN that I guess was supposed to be like the end all because people like it's super simple. Just go on Kimmel and apologize. Like, yeah, super simple to just go on Kimmel. Like, yeah. like Jonah, because Jonah Hill had just uh, had just uh, called someone. Uh, they used uh, homosexual he slur. He called someone a faggot. He said, "Suck my go. dick, faggot." <laughs> which is, yeah. which is, by the way, which is like, it's he was a young kid. Like he was a kid in Hollywood. He was fucking buzzed. And these guys are fucking with them. And it's like, that's the learning curve. Like, I hate to say it, but like that Jonah Hill. And I think he bounced back just fine. But like, that is a learning curve is you need that guy every now and then to teach you the lesson. And, and Jonah Hill should just be like, Hey, you guys are welcome. I took a lot of heat for that, but Hey, heads up. We got to stop using that word, you know, a hundred percent. And, and for me, you know, they're like, I'm not Jonah Hill. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, don't think that I didn't try to get on every single talk show. And I did as much of an apology tour as I could. And, you know, shout out to Sway, who gave me a chance to come on and apologize. And Kathy Lee and Hoda let me come on and say something. And, um, you know, and it was hard, man. Like, they didn't make it easy. And uh, and I finally, I had done this interview with Don Lemon, and he, he gave me a good what for and uh, then all of a sudden there was a rocket attack in Gaza. It never aired. And I had the unfortunate happenstance of it happening in a slow news time, happening two, within two weeks of like two shows opening. I mean, it was like, what, what's that line from Rounders? Shout out to Brian Copeland. Uh, there's a line in Rounders when, he, when they find out that Teddy KGB is who's really like who they're in debt to. And Matt Damon looks at Ed Norton and goes, oh, so you just fucked us right in the ass. He's like, yeah, all the way. <laughs> and it was like, okay, so you have an NBC show coming out. 
a travel channel show. You're in the best shape of your life. This could be a major turning point for you. And like that's when you choose to pour sugar in your gas tank. Nice one, dickhead. And literally, and all I kept thinking about, though, was because I know how our crew and even our crews back, our editors, they're permalance. And they, they lost all that work because I exhibited poor judgment one poorly rested day on Instagram and quoted the Godfather uh, that I had just been watching. And it was ugly and it was disrespectful. And I have a mom and a stepmom and I had to answer for dropping the C-bomb at a lady to the women in my family. I have a female showrunner, a female director. Um, a female PA on the show. It was it was a rough time. So yeah, I hit because that's the only time TMZ don't give a fuck about me. Like they've 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 talked to me about how do you feel you're eating five pound burritos and people are starving. Like they've done that shit a bunch of twice, but like not like this. So I just hid in my house and didn't turn the lights on and just ate and watched The Office and played video games and just got fat again. Dude, it's you know what? Can I tell you? And and I know I'll probably get blasted for this. I remember reading. I remember reading the tweet. I remember reading or reading the. It was an Instagram post. I remember reading your thing was like, "Hey, I look good. I busted my ass. I'm very proud of myself." Um, and and you used you used the hashtag thinspiration, which I did not find offensive. I didn't find it. Triggering. I didn't know it had been co opted by proanic whatever people had told me you're my inspiration and i just thought it was a portmanteau of thin and inspiration but you know yeah but but, but still i I remember being i remember reading that and going you can't you can't i remember reading what they were writing and going you can't blame him like he's just busted his ass and kicked and, and 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 fucking lost the weight which all of us are trying to do look clearly there are a lot of fat activists who or not do not want to lose the weight. I listen. I listen to Lindy West talk about. And by the way, I, I, Lindy and West and I have no brand uh, collateral. Like there's no cross branding in, in Lindy West and I at all. I'm at all. But I, ins- I she's inspiring because when I was dealing with getting fat shamed by Segura, I read this article or listened to this interview she did about coming out to her family as fat and going like, "Hey, I just want to be happy." And, and like, it was really fucking cool. It's really cool to hear the other side. However, the other side needs to listen to the other side also. Like, I'm listening to Lindy West, and I'm not using Lindy as an example. I don't, I, I think Lindy's a really in- interesting, brilliant writer. But I'm listening to Lindy West. I need that girl that lit you up to listen also. Because she didn't seem like she gave a fuck that you had busted your ass. She just well, she also crazy. wanted money. She wouldn't do interviews unless they pay. But I, I want to get into the degree. The biggest thing that hurt was the own. So when the, the I'm trying to think what I can say apropos of documents I've signed. But when Travel Channel didn't comment either way, postponed the show, it brought more attention. And then there was this Washington Post article. But the Washington Post article was only using this girl's blog account as the only source of information. I was never contacted. 
And so the only screenshots were of what I said, not what was said to me. Now, again, I don't condone my response. And again, my biggest regret is because you got to also remember, it's not just my crew. We had, I think, 18 more episodes to shoot of season two of Secret Eats. And think about that. That's, I mean, 30, 40 some odd restaurants at least. Oh, yeah. You know, that that, that would have gotten blown up big time on Travel Channel, but it all exactly. changed their lives. And, and, and they, they lost it. They, I smell something burning. Sorry. <laughs> I just got concerned. I'm like, oh, it's next door. Sorry, I smell that, something. You know what that like, is? That's a, that's a nail gun, I bet. I don't know. It's, it's maybe. <laughs> it's, no, no. It's, it sounds like they're boxing. But no, I smell the smoke. But yeah, that was the thing that like all those restaurants that were looking forward to, to filming with me, that I was lo- you know, looking forward to filming, places I wanted to travel. Um, and again, guys like Beanie lost the work, you know, and the thing is, I want to say one thing to, to shout him out though, when they remounted the show, they offered it to him and he wouldn't, he wouldn't do the uh, reboot out of loyalty. That's a good friend right there. Cause you know, the, the reboot was the source of burn bridges with the same people that I had built the show with. And it's heartbreaking when I think of that. Because when I think of those early days, it was magic. But you know, this—it's not show friends; it's show business. And that was my wake-up call. Did you ever work with Dan Akiba? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think I did once. He's the guy that I referred to in Secret Eats a lot as the curmudgeon. Yeah. Um, Like Dan Akiba literally uttered the phrase once: "I don't hate ice cream; I just hate how much people like it." actually like that's literally how he thinks and he like makes fun of people that are like oh you haven't you have a creative job it's cool like he's so angry anyway um i think it was around the super bowl um and i was at kennedy and i was coming home and i saw him and i saw him loading pelicans into a van and i was like dad i went over and i gave him a hug and i was like What's going on? Are you, are you about to go shoot? He's like, I'm coming back from a shoot, obviously. So we're like, I've been arrival. So I'm like, yeah, of course. I said, what were you shooting? And he froze. And he's like, you know. And like, literally, it was just like Michael and, and Fredo. I was like, you broke my heart. <laughs> but it's, it's tough. You know what I mean? Like those first 10 episodes on the road with Dan, John Sember, Peter Fackler, you know. Peter um, Fackler. Holy shit. I haven't talked... Dude, I'll tell you. So Peter Fackler was, for everyone listening, was the so like director of photography. Director of photography. Now we, I had we, I shared two of your ex director of photography, Scott Sands and Peter Fackler. Scott Sands was the was the uh, was the community school uh, learned how to shoot movies, TV show guys, and Peter Fackler was the Ivy League. I learned how to shoot TV. Like what? Well, that's what they looked like, right? So Scott Sands, anytime I shot something for Birth Conquer. He would do it first. He would do the activity first. This is back, this is before GoPros. You had to wire a pack onto your back and then harness it into a helmet, tether it with a wire. You the guy who wanted to do it with sharks. Oh, dude. And then and then Peter Fackler was like very prim and proper, had a 
I think I think they ended up breaking. Did they break up? He had a beautiful girlfriend who was a TV show host. And yes, and so, yes, and yes, yeah. yes. She was a Mets uh, correspondent, yes. Julie. So and Peter- and Scott was I don't know if he still is with uh, Camille from Food Wars. No, bro. I was in the center of all that. All he of broke that. that shit up. Yeah. Oh, that's gossip, right, dude? I miss these Ooh, times of travel channels we so much. This tea right now. <laughs> We're never gonna work again. You Scott Sands, by the way, Scott Sands is. <laughs> Scott Sands is, God, one of the funniest guys. He's doing forestry up in uh, northern New York now. I think, isn't he? I don't know. I don't know. I, I when he was no longer shooting shooting the show and yeah no it's weird we had we had uh, dp drama even on the international season of secret eats that i just did you know it's 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 crazy it's 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 really the, the road crew for those of you who don't know you know man versus food bert shot with a handful of people right i mean yeah. it's two cameras a sound guy we hired makeup locally i did my own wardrobe and a director Maybe there was a production coordinator or one PA or an intern, maybe. But um, it was a small, it was like a family. You'd go out. I, man, I really genuinely miss those times of like, you'd get, you'd wrap and go, hey, what are we doing now? And everyone would yeah. be like, oh, let's go look at restaurants. Oh, there's a great steakhouse. And then you play credit card roulette and have, I mean, like, I miss those times so much. Yeah. The same, same. And like, especially that first season of secret eats, you know, and I, like, again, I was getting in great shape at that time. I had lost most of the weight in fandomonium and then really leaned into the soccer thing. And I was feeling better about myself. Uh, my director, Kat um, directed six seasons of wife swap and she's, she's brilliant. And um, I was just, it was, it was clicking. And that's the other reason that it killed me that I had sabotaged it just because it was such a good show. And then Travel Channel, um, when I you know, had said I didn't want to do um, Search for the Next Man versus Food, um, as sort of, I, I don't know if it was recompense, but they buried the, the show behind the Olympics. They aired two a night opposite the Olympics. So naturally, you know, it got the same ratings as like, you know, Cars for Kids commercials. Dude, I did. I did a show. I did a show for Travel Channel called Scream. If you know the answer, and they aired it. I remember getting the air date, and they're like, "So you're going to be airing Saturday mornings at 8 a.m." And I went, "That can't be good, right?" <laughs> Dude, the um, I the only thing I don't. I mean, I miss. I miss the family. I miss the upfronts. I miss the crews. I miss. So I miss like watching episodes and being excited to like shoot cool stuff. I miss like when we did trip flip, you get a call in February or <coughs> January and they go, Hey, name 13 places you want to go in the world. I miss that. What I don't miss at, at all is being, is being powerless. Like I, I just, I always felt very powerless at that network that I would, that I would have a great idea or I'd want to do something or I'd have a way to promote and I'd bring right. it. And they'd be like, we got it. And they, and, and then they just shift you to a different time slot or they'd move you to a different night to build the night and you'd lose whatever momentum you had. It, it was, that's the only or over air. Oh, I mean, you got, Oh, you, the man versus food was on. It was you and Bourdain ran the network. 
But I remember one time they were like, oh, the first run numbers are down. We're like, and why Why do you think? Like, and it took your, are you still with Max? Yeah, yeah. Are you still yeah, with Max? And it, took, I, and it took them saying, no, dude, he's accounting for like, you know, over 60% of the programming in the quarter because, you know, there was no impetus to watch the new season because it was just on all the time, like the new episode. It's just like, and I remember being with my director, Tony, on Man vs. Food Nation and just asking people like, hey, what's, what, when is, what day is Man vs. Food on? And we were originally Wednesday. And people would be like, oh, dude, Saturday, I watch it while I'm pre-gaming. Oh, Sunday, I watch it while I'm recovering. Oh, Wednesday, it's like the midweek thing I watch with my kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, look, it's great to have a show that's that repeatable. And I'm blessed to have had the opportunity. And, and I, I don't... I don't um, I'm not ungrateful for that one iota, um, but I, I can relate to what you're saying. But look, the network gave me my big break, oh, got me God. my foot in the door. So and I forgot about Trip. That's so crazy. I remember you hosting the blooper show. Yeah, yeah. I dude, I that was the best when I when I they called me and they said we want to offer you a deal. I was like, game chair. I opened a bottle of wine and lit a joint. And I was like, dude, this is what I've been wanting my whole life. And then getting fired, you know ultimately getting fired from travel channel was the best thing that ever happened to me because I would have just, I would have just wanted to be there. You know, it was like, and I didn't have the career you had. Like I never met Bourdain. I barely knew Andrew Zimmern. I didn't, I like, I never met any of the people or not, not, not even that I didn't meet them, but like, they just didn't give a fuck about meeting me. Does that make sense? Like, I, I don't necessarily know that's true, but I think, you know, guys like Tony had such a wall around them and had so many layers of people around them be that they had installed because they wanted that buffer. Um, I was blessed that Andrew agreed to do my show season one. And honestly, not I mean, I would have, I think I'm a pretty decent human being. I always want to give, I think high tides float all boats. But like, I remember- You're, By the way, so let me stop you right there. Your high tide floated my boat into a season two definitely <laughs> but that's what i'm saying it's like you know andrew did my show of course i'm going to do your show and i don't think that people generally think like that anymore i think there's a lot of me mind you know what did my boy zero call people like a you're a me monster and i think there is just about that and i think that there's not a lot of selflessness maybe that'll change after this but one one thing that i think the public deserves to know so Diplo, as you know, briefly yes. had a show on Travel Channel that I think aired once or mm -hmm. half an episode or something. And we all did these upfront, that upfront movie, that video we all did together. <laughs> and then we go out to the whiskey bar at the W in Manhattan. And I still, like, I tell people you did this and they're like, with Diplo then. I'm like, mm -hmm. And you, in like, and I remember going there when I had neither pot to piss in nor window to throw it out of. And I'll never forget this crowded bar, pretentious, sexy-ass New Yorkers. You got up fucking so loud. You're like, everybody, everybody, be quiet. Everybody, stop talking. Everybody, please, please be quiet. My wife doesn't know I drink. Hi, honey. <laughs> it was fucking amazing. Like, I turned to Diplo and like, what? Um, that was one of the best things ever. That was the, the that was the dude. That was the peak of where when that 
that was like game changing travel channel. That's where I was like, I was like, oh, it's all our way up. I mean, it was like me, you, the ghost adventures, Diplo. Uh, I, that, that was like insane. And then, and then, and then uh, shortly thereafter, I just felt like, I felt like I was, just, I was lost in that network. Well, there was a lot of, there was a lot of sort of silly things. Like, for example, I had a show on the air at that time called Best Sandwich in America. And initially, to, to we this were day, to do this it. day, fucking, I still would argue that Denix does not live up to the way you fucking sold it. And by the way, I've had that sandwich three times. The best Denix I've ever had, I got, I wrapped up, I took with me back to the hotel, got it to the hotel, and it was fucking murderous. But man, a couple times I've been there and it wasn't the best. That's possible. That's very possible. And, and I, I love think that it show, also, man. And Andrew, thank you, man. And Andrew Zimmern's sandwich. It was tough. That was the hardest one between the yard bird at Slow's Barbecue and Tilia Minneapolis Amazing Fish Sandwich. Those two uh, were, and you know, Bourdain was in that show. Bourdain did a cameo. Um, really? I got him. Yeah, I got him, him, Bobby Flay, Batali, Jay Baruchel, um, Will Jay Ho. Baruchel? Yeah, yeah I, he I just did the saw West this Coast. This the end last night. Dude, I just saw that looking out my window. Uh, yeah, no, he's he is uh, just I, at least virtually has been one of the nicest, sweetest human beings. We've uh, we've 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 never actually hung out. It's been like a Twitter romance, I guess. But uh, a nicer, sweeter guy there is none. And he recommended a place uh, in L.A. on La Cienega called Jr's Barbecue, and. Um, yeah. we film, we film there, uh, because of Jay, but anyway, yeah, I, I was doing that show and we were initially, I said, let's do it like conferences, but you know, we could air it again during March. We could do like March madness. And then they condensed the episodes and then they, they burned, in my opinion, the most hotly contested one, which was the Northeast in the first episode and people just immediately tuned out, but it was also the hundredth anniversary of the sandwich. and we did no activation and yet the people that were doing that sandcastle show, mm. uh, sand, sand masters, they did like this huge activation in times square, but you have the one sandwich show. And I'm like, just put me with a sandwich board, giving out free sandwiches in times square, yeah. you know? And, uh, so I think that there was a little bit of like some opportunities lost, but that's the thing. Like I'm inspired by you. Like I see, the, your Instagram stories are so. Do you do you edit those and produce those yourself? No, yeah, I just I just shoot them. You know, I, I'll tell you what. This sounds really crazy. When I so a couple times like, and this was always my my kind of cross to bear was like I was getting hired to do shows on Travel Listen, Channel that were. It's seven o'clock. Everyone's clapping in New York. Can you hear? Oh yeah! Holy shit! Holy shit, man. Woo! It's seven o'clock. People are like up on roofs right there. Clapping. Holy crap, man. That's crazy. I got to experience that. Woo! Crazy. That is insane. People are up on their roof, on their fire escapes, banging pots and pans. You can hear someone's ringing a bell. I see someone's holding a bell on their fire escape. 
dude, that's the coolest thing about New York. We don't have that in L.A. Really, y'all don't do stuff for the first spot every, every day at 7. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, people going ham on it. It's, you know, New York's really taking a hit. It's our comptroller's mother died uh, two nights ago. And uh, someone with whom I had a friendship, uh, the amazing chef Floyd Cardos, we just lost him. He just died uh, from Tabla Restaurant, New York. Yeah. And uh, Floyd was an, a wonderfully amazing man, a great chef. Um, so it's, it's crazy. But yeah, they're still going, man. They're still going. Sorry. No, no, I don't even remember what I was saying. That's so cool, man. We don't, yeah, LA is kind of weird like that. But I think it's also proximity. I think you guys get to share cool moments, you know? But maybe that pro- that absence of proximity is what's keeping you all alive. That's my biggest fear with my mom. She's not in a huge apartment building, but she's in like an older apartment building. She's not in the heart of the city. But still, I, I, I told her, I said, I need you to think like a murderer. Like, sort of like, what did I touch? You know what I mean? Ooh. Like, like you know what I mean? Oh, like, where did I possibly leave a fingerprint? But, you know, I think of that old movie with, uh, was it Alan Arkin called Wait Until Dark? Like, the idea of, you know, I left fingerprints on this and this and this that I said when you go, because, you know, she's got one of those old school elevators that when the, the elevator comes up, you have to open the door. Oh, shit. And go in and press the button. And when you get to the floor, you have to push the door. So I said to her, I said, you have to remember that door for any delivery guy. They're touching that door. And they're touching the other door. And then there's two glass doors. There's like the front door to the street. Then there's the place with the bells, you know, to be buzzed up. You lived in New York. So then there's that secondary door. So it's like you have your front door two elevator doors, an elevator button, two more doors just to go outside. So that's why I was like, please, for the month of April, because they've said, you know, that that you heard yesterday, they're like, it'll be like Pearl Harbor. It, it's so scary, man. It's so scary to think that a city like New York, where it's just such a, it's such a, it's such its own thing, possibly mm-hmm. could be changed that my daughter never gets to see it the way I saw it, you know? Yeah, this. I mean, when you realize that, so th- that was the other thing that really scares me. Like when we, as we do this, I don't know when you're going to post it, but eight governors still have yet to mandate stay at home. It's crazy. And the governor of Georgia. Now, I lived in the great state of Georgia for six and a half years. Started my acting career there and my culinary career. Like I'm working in restaurants since I'm 13, but I worked like in a restaurant worked at a bakery, like worked in the food industry as much as I got my first 10 Actors Equity Union points in Atlanta. I love that city. I know it very, very well. The fucking governor of Georgia said four days ago that he just found out that asymptomatic people could be carriers. And that's nonsense. Padma Lakshmi tweeted, she's like, I'm really dumb and I knew that. And the governor's mansion, um, is maybe 14 minutes away from the front door of the CDC. So yeah. you're like, how, how, in, how in blue fuck did you not know, dude? How did you not know? And a swarthy Jew from Brooklyn who used to eat five pound burritos for a living is like, yes, COVID-19 is a variety of the coronaviruses that are often found in animals. And did you hear that the tiger at the zoo? Dude, how does a tiger get, who fucked that tiger? 
Jesus Christ. No, they, they said the keeper, and he was asymptomatic, or she was asymptomatic. Really? The, 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 the keeper tested positive, had no symptoms, and that tiger and the other tigers have it now. Dude, and tigers are getting a lot of fucking press these days. What is up with why Tiger King? Why is that the thing? I'm sure there's other stuff like your special, Tom Segura's special. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. Who gives a fuck? Tiger King King's bringing a lot of traffic to Netflix, and we're all fucking getting love. You like you said, you the get, high tide. You raises get like the, paid every time someone watches it. I wish. No, I got no. You get you get paid at the beginning, and then. And then they used to not share numbers with you. They share numbers nowadays. I guess maybe when your numbers are good, they share numbers. Who fucking knows? What's your most popular special? This one, by far. Yeah? By far, by far, yeah. Why do you think that is? Just because, like, your name and your recognition is where it is now? No, no because the government said there's a pandemic. Everyone get in your houses. And my special dropped. I think you're very humble, though, because I was no, in the no, room. no, no, no. No, it's Simon because... Lex and I were in the room. I have to say, you know, there were other recognizable comics there. I forgot that Tony Rock was a comic, honestly. No, no yeah. dissing Tony Rock. He's I was great. like, He's oh, great. that's right. Um, but like, you came out, and it was almost it was like our buddy Bert. It was really interesting. It was a very interesting dynamic washed over the room and it was interesting to me that rogan pulled you aside to give you notes and feedback because to the layperson, you had fucking killed it and what was um first of all and again as a, as a man who possesses somewhat of a panda bear physique to see the response that you got by taking your shirt off i was like there's hope for me yet because <laughs> being alone during this is like punishment for having been a fuckboy like in my youth, like it's like great asshole. You don't want to commit. Here's a pandemic, and you will never see a vagina again in 2020. You know what I mean? Enjoy that free porn hub. And you know, I'm over here microwaving grapefruits and cutting holes in them and stuff. And you know, but you came out, and I'll say something else. And again, not trying to give you a dick food solo. Um, a lot of the other comics were. Instead of like having jokes, it was just about saying shit to the audience and like going off on the audience and yeah. clever quips about the audience as opposed to set up whatever. And I think that the audience appreciates that. How do you write jokes on a treadmill? I've seen your stories where you're like, I'm not here running, writing jokes. Is it like you're running and you think of something? I, I can write if I, I write really good if I walk at like a three five three seven on the treadmill. For some reason, that pacing reminds me of walking in New York, and I could really walk and write in New York. So I put I have a joke. I have a I have a tablet next to me, and I have my phone. So I'll just go into my phone and voice dictate it. But I'll just like uh, I don't know. My mind kind of wanders, and right now, mostly what I do now when I write is I try to I'm trying to find something big, or like I'll write like a like some, I'll write the beginning of a joke. Like this is one I wrote today on the treadmill. I wrote uh, right. sneak peek. I wrote um, there's something about British accents that when they're on your side you love them, but when they're against you you hate them. And so I don't know the I don't. So I just write that, and then I'll go through it, and then I'll kind of keep my ear to the floor, waiting for something to pop up that slides into that algorithm, and then I go, oh, British accents are like penises. When they're pressed up against you, you know, like, and I'll be like, oh, that'll work. 
What was the other one I did like that the other day? Uh, That's a great observation, though. Oh, yeah, but it was just because there was a British guy I hated, and I was like, enough with your fucking accent. We get it. Everything you say is smart. The um, Didn't Eddie Izzard talk about that? How, like, Brits are, like, always the villains. That's why, like, everyone in the Empire was British. Oh, yeah. Dude, the, one, the funniest one, the funniest one was happened to me the other day. I was driving down the street with my daughters. So we went to the, we have our new house that we bought has a lot of land but we're not, we're not doing anything with it right now. So we'll take the dogs over there and let them run around. And then we put them in the car and we drive back. So I guess, I don't know. It's before things went super bad. Like you could still be in groups of 10 is what the rule was here. And so you'll get a kick out of this. And so there's a temple by our new house and we're driving and we get to the stoplight and there's a group of like, uh, of Orthodox Jews on the corner. Like, maybe like 10 of them and they're and they're i don't know what they're just waiting for the light to so they can cross the street and i hear my daughter go ugh and i go isla i go what did you do that because they're jewish and she goes no social distancing dad and i went oh oh sorry sorry why did you go there I said, in my head i was like why would you isla is their religion and she's like why would i say if they're jewish why would i dislike them if they're jewish dad and i was like i don't know i just heard you in the back go ugh and I was like, I love like going to too. like bedding sales. She's like, <laughs> I want to buy extra sheets. They're extra great tailors, Isla. The um <laughs> Oh man. Well, Isla, you're officially invited to the Seder. No, actually, I, I have to say, you know, I speak Hebrew. I went to Yeshiva or like uh, Solomon Czech the Day School, so religious Jewish school for nine years. The Orthodox Jewish community, of which I have some family members in, is kind of on my shit list now. And they are um, so one of the most uh, concentrated and rapidly spreading clusters in Brooklyn is in the Orthodox Jewish community. Really? Because despite the warnings, they were still so. I don't know if you know, but um, in Judaism, traditionally, when you have to have a service, you have to have something called a minion or a minyan, which means you have to have at least 10 people that have had a bar mitzvah uh, to yeah. pray. So they were still gathering in homes to pray. Like I, I had gone to one of my Orthodox cousins home years ago when um, a relative had passed and they asked if I would pray with them because they needed a minion and men came over from like other homes and stuff. They're like, we we're looking for somewhere to, to say the evening prayer. So despite the warnings of social distancing, they were still getting together. They just showed a funeral three days ago. Guys are walking, holding the coffin, belly to ch like chest to belly. I mean, uh, belly to back rather, holding the coffin and in a cluster. Like this is Bert. I'm shitting you not three, four fucking days ago, and still nothing. And then they found that there were some temples that would close the front door for appearances and let people in the back door. And it's driving me crazy because one of the tenets of the Bible, like, so Yom Kippur, you're supposed to fast. But one of the things you're always taught is that you're biblically told that preservation of life and preservation of the gift of life is paramount. So if that's the case, and you know that gathering will hurt you and hurt others, how can you 
say you are embarking on a biblical or a, a godly activity, if it hurts you, if it hurts other people you love. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and I was about to put out a tweet and I'm like, what fucking Orthodox Jew is reading? Yankel's going to be there. What? The guy from Basic Cable a few years ago? <laughs> so they should get together. Like, what the fuck is going to be like? It's like saying, yo, those Amish pissed me off. I'm going to fucking tweet those guys. <laughs> your buggies are too slow. <laughs> fuck your barn raising son. <laughs> yeah, that's effective. I should be there with like a fucking blank doing smoke signals. I'll have better luck. Oh, God. That's fucking. That's so crazy. And, and you know, it's the same things happen with uh, Christians. Is the, the hardcore Christians, they, were, they all went to a church and they were interviewing them leaving. And the girl goes, I'm bathed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I'll be fine. And I was like, honey, that's not how it works. And pastors just died. Like a pastor in Brooklyn just passed away. A teacher, a young, a guy. You know, that's the thing too, right? It's, it's the, 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 I don't by any, I don't have any of that immortal, like I'm invincible shit. Like I know I'm very mortal. Um, but I think about this, like people younger than me have been passing away left, right, and center. People my age have been passing away Dude. and it spreads so fast. And I mean, and people, like you said, like your friends, your daughter's friends were like, let's go to the park that it's just, how are eight governors, eight individuals who are in charge of an entire territory of the United States still not getting that the only way to stop this thing from going like becoming a mass extinction event is staying away from each other till you can find a vaccine, which is 18 months off. They say, dude, I started getting panic going. I don't think things are going to get back to normal for another 18 fucking months. Mm -hmm. Like I really, I really have that in my head where I like, it made me depressed the other day where I said to Leanne, I was like, what if life doesn't get back to normal for another fucking year and change like what are we going to do she's like we're just going to figure it out i mean that's really all you can do right like you know i i trust me you don't think i'm terrified of you know i've got a mom that's in her 70s i mean thank god she's in good health she's taking care of herself yeah but i have a backyard she doesn't she doesn't have a balcony so it's like i think about you know that what that could do to your psyche and having to stay there and I honestly think that there'll be a level of PTSD that we all experience. And that's not me trying to be like glib about PTSD, but I think that there are traumas that we will undergo. I think um, social interaction, you know what I mean? Like how are men, again, I'm a civilized human being, you're a civilized human being, but how are less civilized human beings going to interact around the opposite sex the first time they're around them. Like when you have everything, wolves. Right? Like when yeah. they've been repressed, it's going to be like banging the tin cups on the fucking prison bars. You know? I think about what is social interaction going to be like? Because the, the thing that every expert is saying it's going to dip and then it's going to flare up again. Um, I also, you know, you think about A, people passing away and people can't hold their relative's hand or be by their bedside when it happens. They have temporary morgues. Like the, they're using refrigerator trucks in, in all these cities now because they, they can't bury them. They can't examine them. They can't do any kind of ritualistic preparation of the body, which is also kind of bananas. 
But, you know, the one thing I think about a kid I went to grad school with um, said, give me, I'll never forget this. He said, say you're leaving a supermarket and your car's at like the far end of the parking lot and it's pissing rain, right? Two choices, right? You could sprint to the car, throw the bags in kind of haphazardly, fumble for your keys, get in the car, slam the door. Or you can walk to your car, put the bags in carefully the way they're supposed to, unlock the door and get in the car. In both cases, you're soaking wet. In only one case, are you ready to operate a motor vehicle? I think we're in the rain. We're in the rain. It's how we choose, how we choose to endure. And there'll be highs and lows, and you're blessed to have a wife and two two awesome kids. Um, you know what I mean? And for those of us who are alone, it's incumbent upon us to keep ourselves occupied and creative. Please help keep me relevant. You're way more famous than I am now. Yeah, so <laughs> just, you know, periodically throw the man versus food joke in. They're like, I remember that guy. Like, people the see me and they're up. like, they go, oh, Jay Leno looks great, but Fred Savage looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, uh, I feel like I, you know, I said to the girls the other day, I said, you know, they wanted to go to Georgia. was like, come on, dad. The, all the girls are going to the park. I said, I said, you can't. I said, you're in a weird place, honey. I said, listen, I put what you look like on social media. So if someone sees you in the park, they could videotape you. And then it comes back to us. And if it's a fucking nightmare. And then that's a reflection of you. I'm sorry I did that to you, that I put you everywhere, but that's a reflection on you. I was like, if you two want to go ride your bikes, go ride your bikes all the fuck you want, but you're not stopping and mingling with people. It's just not going to happen. She's like, she's like, okay. And then she said, it's not fair. Cause you know, Tom and I still do our podcast. We do social distancing. We're six feet away. We come in the studio. We don't touch. No one touches. It's just me and him in the studio and we exit, right? Everything's clean top to bottom. And, uh, and we've, and, and we're super careful so that we can do the podcast because both of us feel like it does provide a service for people looking for entertainment. hundred so percent. She goes, it's hundred percent. She goes, it's not fair. You hang out with Tom. You, you get to zoom with Bill Burr. Like you're hanging out with your friends. I got to just, all of a sudden I just got to like go from zero. And then she said, you know, it's easy for you to stay home. Dad, you spent the last 10 years on the road, partying your balls off. And I went. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's totally easy. I've been traveling since I was 36, and I'm slowed for 10 years. I've been traveling every fucking week. And now I'm like, so this is the house. This isn't a bad house. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you've really built like this huge. Is it hard sleeping on the bus? I've been on one or two Ooh. tour buses, and I know that's like that kind of bunk bed vibes, right? No, no, no. I have the back room. I have a bedroom in the back. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, I pay for the bus. By the way, buses are expensive as fucking shit. So you pay for it? Oh yeah. There's no like booking agency that handles all of your dates? Nope. Nope. How really? So like what was so, what, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. So UTA books my tour out. And then I negotiate with the promoter a deal. Uh, my deal is a little complicated right now because it's a little different than everyone else's deal. But ultimately I I negotiate a fucking straight up flat rate with a promoter and me and him deal like with the me, him and UTA deal off to the side. And then that promoter goes out and gets the theaters, but it's like a fucking set in stone. And so we have stuff that comes off the top, like uh crafts, like uh stuff, like uh, anything on your rider comes off the top, anything, but ultimately I pay for it. I could negotiate to get that money, 
It's just it's just whether or not it comes off the top it matters on whether or not uh, you have to pay um, your managers and agents off of that money. But the bus, uh, the bus is a is something that I kind of looked at and was like, it makes my life a lot easier. I don't drink as much. I'm a lot healthier. I work out every day, um, and it's <laughs> a lot more enjoyable. So, what's more, if you don't mind, me, what's more lucrative, the touring for stand up or doing things like Netflix? Ooh, it's really hard. Uh, uh, I mean, I know that Netflix is filming your stand up, but. I would say, uh, I would say touring is way more lucrative. It's a lot more work, but it's way more lucrative. Like I'll never give up touring and especially theaters. Once you start doing theaters, it's, it gets exponential. Like your first run of theaters, you don't make very much money. It depends. If you add shows, you make money, but if you don't add shows, you're kind of like it's, it's, you make less than if you were doing clubs when you're making, when you're doing clubs and you're selling out weekends at clubs and adding shows, you're making bank like bank. But when you go to theaters, you cut that money like in half, theoretically. Um, But if you add shows, you get the lion's share of the second show. So on that first show on a theater, you got to pay for Mm. the curtain, the security guards, the chairs. You got to pay for everything. Wait, the curtain? Everything. What do you mean you pay for the curtain? I went to a theater one time and there was a charge for a curtain. Like someone to operate it no i had to rent the fucking curtain from the theater i had to rent for like 500 bucks so like i'll just give you i'll give you a a broad number this isn't real right this is definitely not real but it'll get it'll be able to wrap your head around it so say uh say you say you're say you have a thousand people uh Mm -hmm. coming to a theater and you've charged 20 dollar tickets and you're getting 20 grand well Theoretically, if you are a comic and you're doing one show at that theater, then you will probably walk with like five thousand dollars because you got to rent the curtain, you got to rent the space, you got to rent everything, you got to rent the dudes, you got to pay the guys who do the sound, you got to pay for everything. Now, here's the catch: say you add a second show, well, you've already rented all that shit, so your second show, whereas you make five grand on the first show, you'll make seventeen grand on the next show. So it's yeah. So it's it really behooves you to do two shows in theaters. Damn. Damn. How what did what was the tipping point when you knew that because I mean you're a good host. I I I I hope you are aware of that. Like oh, people think you. that it's just like I'll get in front of the camera and I've got personality. That that they don't realize that you have the technical aspects of not just staying open to camera or um being able to do a read or listen to people. Well, taking exposition and this squirrel is too shit behind me. Um, And like taking exposition and making it interesting. But there's also something to be said for like moving a narrative along. You're the engine of the whole thing. So you have to know where you are, act two, act three, act four. So, but like at what point in your life, because, and I'll be dead ass, and I don't want you to tell me now because I'll watch it. But I don't know the Russian mob story. That's a difference for a different time. I legit don't, and I know it's like Mikey was like, "You don't? Aren't you his friend?" So I love Bert with all my heart, but I don't know. It. But what was the moment that you knew you, you wanted to do stand up? Oh, uh, you just I got was, off a press tour. Is that like the last fucking question? No, 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 no. That n- n- all anyone wanted to talk about today was how i shit the bed interviewing adam sandler the um 
Oh, dude, it was so bad. It was so bad. What did you interview him on? Uh, just we, we did this uh, benefit to raise money for comics who uh, who are losing work, for, you know, that are living hand to mouth. And um, I I got a chance to interview him, and I'm such a fan of his. I fanboyed out, and I got like distracted like a squirrel, and I fucking I fucked up the name of every one of his movies. I I was like, my daughters and I just watched Happy Madison, and he was like, oh okay. I was like, we're going to watch your new movie, Precious Gems. He was like, great. I mean, I asked him if he had Netflix, Adam. He was like, yeah, I have Netflix. He has a $200 million deal at Netflix. He's like, yeah, I have Netflix. He has so, a $200 million deal at Netflix? Think, if I'm not mistaken, this is third iteration of that deal. It's now $600 million. Yeah. Yeah. But to I answer just, your question... <laughs> I, I heard that Adam Sandler was making six hundred million, and I was like, I want some of that. Oh, by the way, that's that's why I'm writing a script for me and Tom. I was like, Tom and I, if we're gonna make fucking legit money in the next ten years, it's gonna be a six hundred million dollar deal at Netflix. So, so um, they've passed on two shows. And I brought them. It's you know what? It's hard to. They have a really hard time with what we what we do. Like they have a really hard time figuring out that nut because it's it's a different it's a different thing for them. Like, I don't know if it's 22 minutes. I don't know if it's an hour. I don't know. They haven't figured it out. They've tried it a bunch and you watch act breaks happen. And you're, it just, the, the, the storytelling of what we do or what we've done for our entire careers is not, it doesn't lend itself to Netflix yet. Someone's got to crack that code. And I, I'm fucking fascinated by that. But as a comic, I think you have, cause isn't there, it doesn't, does Netflix have its own comedy, even like Twitter handle? Oh, like yeah. Netflix, Netflix comedy. Yeah. I Netflix just did, a joke. Yeah. I just did a series for them that, uh, that, that I should be airing soon. But, um, but yeah, that's, I, that should be just called Comedians in, the, in a Cabin Getting Canceled. All we do is break every fucking rule. It's oh, so, yeah. Wait, wait. I remember seeing Whitney uh, on her stories. What's it called? Scalia. Cabin Fever or something? I don't, we don't even, don't even have a title. By the way, we don't have an intro. I'm supposed to shoot something tonight for them because we haven't figured our intro out. It's all it is. It is just us breaking every fucking rule that you're not supposed to do. I mean, at one point, Tom Segura dismembers an emu. I mean, it's just like, dude, it is, it is fucking insane. Anyway. And then, like, there I am trying to pitch these shows. I, I had gone to them with uh, Shed Media, who created uh, Who Do You Think You Are? The show where, like, you, you know, people retrace their roots and find yep. out, you know, where they found out that Larry David and Bernie Sanders were related and all that stuff. And the show was called Who Made It First? And it was, like, this investigation into, like, these iconic foods that are disputed. Who, who actually made the first Sunday buffalo wing, potato chip, and so on. Yeah. And, uh, it was going to be using the research team from who do you think you are and me hosting and literally kind of sleuthing out who made it first. And we had a few meetings and it was like, I thank you, but no, thank you. We want Tiger King, but also like you, that popular show you with, um, was it Badgley or whatever that was on lifetime. That was an old lifetime thing that they bought and retooled and remarketed. And it's like a major hit now. Yeah, so, I, I don't know, man. To figure out what works at Netflix, 
I really don't know. All I know is that our comedy specials seem to find an audience there that they've isolated those comedy fans to know to look for specials. And they put you in such good fucking, like they put you in like with Dave Chappelle and Bill Burr and you're like, and then your name's right there with them. You're, and then people think you're their equal. And we're, I mean, me and Segura, me and Segura do okay, but we're, I mean, we're no Chappelle. Well, you know what? I, I interrupted because you were telling me about, by the way, isn't Happy Madison his production company? You should it get a That's why I that. fucked up. That's why I fucked up. But no, but uh, so what was the moment that you were like, this is what I want to do? So I had I had been funny in college. Like I had been really funny in college, like to the point where people were like, man, you are funny. You shouldn't be a comedian. And I remember being like, how do you do that? And then Rolling, you know, obviously Rolling Stone art, wrote that article about me. And this this uh, this morning show put together a stand up sh- night at a place called Pop Ellie's in Tallahassee. And they were like, hey, do you want to headline it? I'd never done stand-up. They brought four comics, each doing 20 minutes before me. I went up and I did stand-up, no preparation, just went on stage and just improv it. And I remember, I remember very clearly getting off stage and having a thought. When I was a kid growing up, there was this guy named Brad Radke, who was my age, who ended up pitching for the Twins. And any time he played, all the parents were like, he's going to go pro. Anytime he played he's going to go pro. And I remember saying to my dad one time upset in the car, I said, why don't you ever say that about me? And my dad goes, buddy, I, I hate to break your heart. You're not going pro. You're not natural the way he is. Like there's something about him that this is what he was put on the earth to do is throw a baseball. And I went, not me. And he goes, no, you'll find your thing, but it's, it's not baseball. I mean, you're good at baseball, but it's not baseball. And man, I did stand up and I called my dad. I had, I went back to my apartment called my dad and I said, do you remember how Brad Radke was meant to throw a ball? He said, yeah, I go, I was meant to be on stage, dad. He was like, really? I go, this is my thing. And he was like, all right, move to New York. Love that story. Yeah. But I mean, Brad Radke was so good. He was so fun. And I'm nowhere as good as in standup as Brad was in baseball, but man, he was so fucking flawless our entire lives. Can you, can you still find the Rolling Stone article about you online? Yeah, it's it's uh yeah, it's, uh, just type in Burt Kreischer undergraduate. It's bizarre and to read now. Is the rumor about Van Wilder true? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't I had nothing to do with the movie. So like I No, but that it was based on. Yeah, 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 that I had been told by the production company that made the movie told me that. People at National Lampoon had told me that, and then I guess the director's girlfriend at the time told me that. And then, and then we were going to sue them at first. Like when the movie came out, we were going to sue them. And my manager, Barry Katz got on the phone and he goes, it's like everyone, my agents, my manager, my lawyer, and my bear and my manager at the time, Barry Katz goes, Papa, are we talking about suing national lampoon? And I said, yeah. And he goes, let me tell you something, buddy. There's two types of people in this business, people who work and people who sue pick which one you want to be. And I did, I just didn't sue. Thank God, man. Thank God, because I think I ended up, like, my goal has always been to be bigger than that movie. Like, just so that people go, wait, shut up. Like, that's about Burt Kreischer as opposed to like, so you're that guy. And and so we're, we'll see. I, you know. Right, I gotta, no, it's the truth. It, you're not this guy going, you know that movie Van Wilder? That's based on me. It's you're 100% right. Like, oh, that's based on Burt Kreischer. I think that that's a, a really powerful distinction. In fact, a classmate of mine uh, in graduate school, uh, in drama school, um, 
was up for the role that Cal Penn, like got asked by his agent to read for the role that Cal Penn played. And he, um, I remember I had heard that he had, you know, talked about it with the head of the department. He felt, you know, he was be a little too much of a caricature and talking about cows and this and this. And, um, and, you know, it's, it, it's, it takes a lot of courage to do what you did, like initially turning down Bert the Conqueror and, and a kind of um, integrity that sometimes I wonder if I possess, but like, dude, your you integrity is way above mine. I don't know about that, but I will say that, um, you know, he said to the married man with two children, you know what I mean? I, uh, <laughs> I, I, um, but no, and then like this, that kid went on to do, he was, he played Jonathan, uh, Alec Baldwin's assistant on 30 Rock. Wait, hold on, hold he, on, one, hang on a second. Stop right here. Stop right here. Is that kid's name? Hold on. Don't say it. Don't say it. Mal- Malik, Malik, Pich- P- he went Close. to, I went to grade school with him. Yeah, I, he was Malik, Malik Pancholi. Malik Pancholi. He went to Berkeley Prep. I went to Berkeley Prep too. So he was my classmate at Yale Drama. Shut the fuck up. So my class. So you have to understand. I'm going to pick this up a little bit because it's getting a little dark. So I want to be able to see my damn face. Um, Malik um, was so at Yale. You only get accepted to your first year. You have to be invited back to your second and third year. And um, Malik. Uh, did 30 Rock. He did Hitch. He was in Hitch. He played uh, uh, Will Smith's doorman. And he was doing lots of shows, like like high-profile theater. And then he did that, and then he did Weeds. He did Sanjay and Ferb, I think is the name of the comic. Um, he did um, some Lisa Kudrow thing, and he's he was um, on Broadway with Ben McKenzie uh, doing a play that was written by someone else who went to school with. It was interesting. There's a program at the Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis, and it's for actors in their uh, summer before their final year of training. Yeah. And my my year, we we all went on to do some really big things. It was uh, so. Oh, sorry about that. Apologies. There's some uh, there's some footage you can't use with my fucking finger in front of the screen. Um, <laughs> No, but my year did really well. I mean, I think I've done okay for myself. There's an um, an actor named Corey Stoll, who's now on Billions. He was Yellow Jacket and Ant-Man. He was in um, House of Cards. Um, he played Buzz Aldrin in First Man. Okay. Um, uh, my, my classmate from Yale, Peter Macon, is now on that show, The Orville. Um, the wow. Seth MacFarlane Star Trek one. Yeah. Um, yeah, this, this girl, Jessica Weixler, won Best Actress at Sundance for a movie called Teeth, about a girl who grows teeth in her vagina. I, 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 I've, I, heard, I think I heard that movie. She's that girl. And actually, my roommate from this Guthrie program, uh, his girlfriend was Jessica Chastain. Shut up. Yeah, dude. I'll post the picture at some point. It's pretty funny. Of like, like, yeah, she's just hanging out in the living room with us. But he and Jess dated for for eons. Yeah, Malik, Malik, uh, when when I went to Berkeley together, and uh, all every time I get together with the Berkeley girls from Tampa, they're always like, you know, Malik is like blowing up. He's like in, he's in Thirty Rock, and he's in this and that. And I, I mean, I wish I had, I wish I was, 
I'm, my memory of shit is so bad where I go, I know it's like not to be horrifically white guy here, but we only had like two Indian kids our entire fucking class. So it was either him or Samir Nagamia. So. Wait, and you guys were contemporaries? You guys in yeah, class together? Oh, yeah. We went to high grade school together. That's so funny. Yeah, no, Malik and his uh, husband live not very far from, from where I live now in Brooklyn. Really? And it's funny. I did that um, Bottle Rock Festival in Napa, that food and music festival in God, Napa. so good. It's so dope. You should definitely, definitely do it when it's all over. But I mentioned, I did a thing, and I was talking to Jesse Tyler Ferguson backstage. And I mentioned, he said, oh, what year did you graduate Yale? So, like, you know, there's, like, obviously the big famous graduates, the the Meryl Streeps, the Stacey Keeches, the Sigourney Weavers, um, you know, Turturro, Paul Giamatti, Tony Shalhoub, Liev Schreiber, uh, Sanal Lathan, you know, the really, really big names. And there's, you know, obviously names that have worked in the industry. And then right before me, uh, two years ahead of me was a girl named Catherine Hahn. Do you know her? Did you Hang see Step Brothers? She played Adam. She was in uh, Bad Moms. Wait, hold on. Was Catherine Hahn in uh, Meet the Meet the Millers? I don't know that movie. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. Catherine Hahn. I think if this is who I think it is, I am obsessed with her. She was already a star. She did Crossing Jordan right out of school. Right out of school, she did Crossing Jordan. And then she did How to, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days with a date with Dad Hamilton. And then Dude, she did a little part. I love Catherine Hahn. Dude, Catherine Best. Hahn is like one of my favorite, fucking favorite actresses around. Dude, she is awesome. Awesome. She she. Always been, always been, even at Yale. Just she like was one of the only actors they let leave to do a professional show while she was still a student. She did a show at the McCarter Theater while she was still a student at Yale. Went right into being signed by Gersh, I think, and then went to do Crossing Jordan. And next thing I knew, she was like, "Yeah, how to lose a guy in ten days?" Went on a date with Ted Hamilton. She's in Anchorman. Um, yeah. dude, she she's is the one. She is so fucking good. She's the one that John C. Riley is like banging in Step Brothers. Yeah, oh, I went, oh, dude, I, I got obsessed with her. We saw Meet the Millers, and I was like, this girl's fucking legit funny. Who is she? Woman, I should say woman. I'm fucking horrible. I go, this woman's yeah. legit ho- funny. She, who is she? And my wife's like, oh my god, it's Catherine Hahn. She's in everything, honey. Everything you like, she's in. And I was like, really? It's like. Step Brothers. I was like, shut up. She's the Step Brothers? Dude, she is awesome. And there's something about a fucking woman who can make me laugh where I just immediately find them sexy. It's so true. I just was watching The Jerk again today. It was on. And Bernadette Dude. Peters crushes me. Crushes so me. Hot. So, so hot. So hot. Bernadette Peters so is hot. so fucking hot. Dude, uh, fucking what's her name? Kristen Wiig is the sexiest human being in the world because her and fucking what's her name from 30 Rock? Uh, Tina Fey. Just the fact that they've made me laugh for this long, I'm like, God, man, I'd have to cheat on my wife just to be like I said I did it. These women are fucking too much. Well, then you have, you know, like Lisa obviously is uh, a big comic now, and she also has, she's, you know, got Middle Eastern roots. Um, 
I, doesn't she doesn't she do the comedy store and stuff? Who, who's that? Is, is it Lisa Marie? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I probably I, I I don't know. Um, but I agree with you. I think humor is humor is humor is always going to be an attractive trait. No, I, I would think to an extent, right? Humor is oh, always. Yeah. Good I, to be... I take I take humor over ankles. Over ankles. <laughs> yeah, like well, she's got fat ankles, but she's funny as fuck. I'd be like, I'll take funny as fuck. Right. Well, that's beauty fades, man. Like that's yeah. that's the thing. Beauty fades. Like, it does. Look at me. I mean, come on, <laughs> dude. Come on. Based upon what I've been reading and seeing, it's like, and what I what I love is that you always seem to hang out with everybody after the show. That's one thing that I think is always really cool. You always seem to make time to speak to your audience to hang out. Like as I see, every time you do a show, either on your Instagram stories or theirs, you see like people like I can't believe it. You know, you repost people like drinking with them after the show and stuff like this. I think I'm just grateful to to like have anyone want to come. Like I like I said, I think I was very lucky to find success later in life because I'm a lot more appreciative of it. Like I think I work harder to keep it. I don't fuck my life up. I try to like stay focused. And I think it's because I just was like I was fucking wanted. I wanted anyone to ever. I just I wanted someone to like anything I did ever. So that when uh, it finally happened and it was something I created, like stand-up, I was like, oh, I'll do whatever the fuck you guys want. You guys want to go to a bar? You want to do pictures for three hours? I'm in. I gotcha. That's tremendous, though. Now, here's my thing. As someone who definitely would like to procreate, I'm going to turn a light on because I feel this content is getting unusable for you. Let me put a light. <laughs> let, me, let me where I can go. So there we go. There's the light. Hallelujah. There we go. I have a motion light. Um, now, I have a question for you, though. Like, for whatever reason, I have not committed yet. But I know that I would like to procreate. And I know that I definitely don't want to grow old alone. Uh, you're on the road. You are successful. Obviously, I've seen the responses you get online. What was the tipping point? Because you've been with your wife for a hot minute. I saw that awesome picture you guys posted back in school. What was the tipping point? Because this whole thing of like, if you know, you know. Like, I've thought I've known a bunch of times. A lot of times I've fucked it up. But I'm just curious, like, because I'll tell you this, when this shit's over, so too is all my bullshit. Like, <laughs> believe that, Bert. That's fucking great. No, I. you know what happened for me? She dumped me. What? There's a line in, there's a line in, do you remember, do you remember the movie Beautiful Girls? Matt Dillon? Matt, Matt Dillon and Michael Rappaport. Sure, sure, sure. There's there's a line where Michael Rappaport gets dumped by his girlfriend and he proposes. She's like, you're only proposing because I dumped you. And he goes, yeah, I didn't like the alternative. And and it was that. It was that Leanne dumped me and, and I was like, oh, no. I, I Like, by the way, I was flippant up until then. We've been dating like maybe three months, four months. And I was like, you know, I don't want to put labels on it. And then she was just like, I'm not in it. And then bounced and fucking i melted down i was like okay the alternative is i fucked this up and it was good and i was like i i can either fight to get it back or nothing or i have nothing and i was like oh, i'm gonna fight and i dude i fought tooth and nail to get her back and i said to god i made a prayer to god on running jogging down outpost i said if you give me this woman back i will not fuck it up i won't cheat on her i won't be disrespectful 
I won't, I won't make, I will, I will be a great, everything she wants out of a man I'll do. And I will, I won't fuck this up. I swear to you on my children. I got back from that jog and she was sitting in my bedroom in a sundress. And I went, Oh shit. God's listening. I was like, and then I was like held to the flame. I was like, I can't fuck this up. And I got a panic attack and I was like, wait, 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 wait. But yeah, ever since then I've been fucking. And it's like times like these, when you're with your wife, 24 hours a day, fucking seven days a week, fucking 21 days in a row where you, where I go, God, thank God I picked the right person. I can't imagine being with those girls that used to get naked and put on makeup in front of the mirror. And you'd be like, yeah, this is hot and sexy, but it's a little annoying. Like you're like, I need, I need someone with some fucking depth. So yeah. yeah and that's the thing too, is that, you know, look, you know, it's, it, no one tells you how to become successful. No one tells you how to go from like, the cute, chubby, often friend-zoned, you know, you know, I dated, but I think it's certainly a different matter when you are, and, and I'm not going to lie and say that having the success I've had didn't give me greater confidence and didn't give me a greater sense of self-worth and it gave me worth. I mean, I was on unemployment. I was on food stamps. I, I struggled. And that's not sexy to a lot of women. Um, <laughs> and I remember there was someone that I, I was attracted to for eons and she was dating someone and we dated and um, just like craved male attention. And whether it was on social, whether it was whatever, but mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And I, I, and then I, you know, acted out of my own insecurities from that. And I think it's so hard to find someone that you have love and lust for in equal measure. And because I've done the other two where like I have felt love, but no lust, lust and not as much closeness. So I think that, and I know I'm not, not to say anybody's bargain, but I have to say like, I have thought about that and going, you know what? My buddy has this theory that this is sort of mother nature telling everybody like, go to your room, you know, because the environment's getting a huge break from all of our bullshit. There's less oh, flight, yeah. less cars, less boats, less consumption, you know, less violence. Crime rate is way down in New York. And I think like, I remember thinking like I did like a whole bunch of stuff like literally getting like just a pat on the back, someone squeezing your arms, someone hugging you. Like I might have to wait 18 months to get hugged. Yeah. Uh, that's, it's insane. I, I, uh, yeah, I, that the physical touch by the physical touch by dudes, this sounds really weird, but like I went to like, right when everything started going sideways, I was going to do a podcast with Rogan. The thing about Rogan is he's very physical. Obviously, everyone knows that but like with his friends he's very physical like he always gives you the biggest fucking hug i mean that's just rogan you you don't even think about it until you see him and he doesn't hug you and it, and it's like he's mad at you it's almost like it was really bizarre to see him and be like hi and he was like hey how you doing and like keep distance and you're like oh man i, I this sounds crazy but i i missed the times of going to the store and just hugging the fuck out of everyone. Cause you hug everyone, Brian Callen, Brendan Schaub, fucking Sam Tripoli, like everyone 
hugs. So like I'm ready to hug a dude. That sounds crazy, but I'm ready to hug. No, a dude. I get it. I get it. I was I came from a really affectionate at home, you know. Like I remember yeah. winning an award, like an athletic award in school, and kissing my dad. And like you know, some of fuck is almost like malfunction. By the way, I'm just picturing like the Burt Kreischer demo watching this. It's like the fuck the guy from Man versus Food and the Machine are talking about needing like bro hug. What the fuck <laughs> is this? What are they going to do? Crochet next? Fuck no, these guys. You know what? Right now, right now, every one of my listeners is going, dude, I need to hug a dude too. I miss I hugging know. dudes. But I, you know what's funny? There's a musical called Piffin. You probably, I don't know how many Broadway musicals get mentioned on your podcast. Not but, many. <laughs> but um, it struck a chord with me not too long ago because the whole thing was he never wants to get attached to anything because he says he wants to live an extraordinary life. And he feels that he can't live an extraordinary life if he's tethered to anything. And therefore he must be free and open in order to live a truly extraordinary life. But ultimately he comes to this realization. He meets a a widow and her son. And the sort of revelation that he has is that what makes the life extraordinary is the ability to share with someone that the most gorgeous sunset, the most incredible architecture, the best meal, the funniest movie, the nicest sheets and comforter to wrap yourself in. They're better when you have someone to share them with. And like it resonated with me, but I never really manifested it in my behavior. And I, was on some fuckboy bullshit and hurt myself and a lot of other people in the process and had a kind of come to Jesus moment um, and decided just to try to be a better man. And um, yeah, I, I would not be surprised, uh, viewers of the Machine Podcast, that I, um, I, I will probably come out of this and run straight to a chapel or a synagogue as the case may be. Dude, this has been the best fucking podcast. We got to do this again. You want to do this in like a couple of weeks? I would listen. I would love to. I was so jealous. I, I, you were talking about some like petty, like dynasty, like that bitch. I went, <laughs> uh, for those of you who remember Simon Rex from MTV um, yeah. and from Scary Movie. I just watched him in Scary Movie. He's so good in that. By the way, he is the smartest motherfucker in this whole thing. Did, did, you, did he tell you about the place he bought? No. So right before your show, he got together with me and we, we walked from the hotel I was staying at to your uh, show. He bought a place way out in the Joshua Tree Desert. And it's the only, it was built by this architect. It's this one cube. The whole thing is one giant cube, well water, solar power, generator, the whole thing. There's one road to get to that place and there's like nothing for miles around and he go if he needs supplies he goes into joshua tree you know and then comes to his hidden place i'm not gonna you know put a blow him up but yeah and he's like got this perfect scenario with just him nothing around him for miles a means of getting supplies they stocked up oh my god you know well water uh, yeah yeah that's fucking but awesome. i remember rex told me he's like yeah, yeah, yeah. Bird asked me to, to do his podcast. And I was like, and he also did something's burning with you, you fuck. Oh, he's so did. funny. I he did. Uh, dude, I got when when thing gets things get back to normal, I gotta have you on something's burning. 
I yes. gotta have you, dude. Yes. You're like a dude. That's like a that's like a million dollar fucking. That is a match made in heaven. You want something burning? I've been begging. So that was why when he goes, yeah, dude, yeah, 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 I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Barry just asked me to do a show. I was like, that bitch. <laughs> he did. He did something's burning, and he texts me the next day. He's like. Hey man, everyone thinks I was on Coke. I go, really? He's like, yeah. And then I watch it and you can see his eyes are darting around. He's not on Coke. He's just Simon. He's just fucking Simon. Dead ass. I, I want to make that clear. Yeah. Ditto at your show. And I was like, you suddenly seem very up and like energetic. He's like, but he, he that's legit. Just him. Yeah, he's he's just- super creative. And like you, he's got, wait, let me move the motion light. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta activate the motion light. There we go. There, wait, wait, there, wait. Let me get it out of my face. We're going to do this. There we go. Wait, there we nah. go. Yes. Juiced a lot. But yeah, I would love to. I would love to do it again, man. And I'm just so honestly, I couldn't be more proud for, for your success if I were related to you, man. Truly. Brother, really I truly. love you, man. I love you. Stay safe and tell your mom I said hi and tell her to stay safe. I will. Love, love to the missus and the girls. Then uh, keep in touch, okay? Love you, buddy. All right, brother. I'll take care. Take care. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.